Fritz and met the girl that he wanted to marry. Herman also said that his stepson, Barney, had also become a The last line of Herman's letter is what hurts my family the most. It said, Fritz is now serving as a German judge. You know, I don't get very many visitors these days, so it's good to see all these folks. I'm Sam Blair, born in August the 14th of 1863 in Middletown, Ohio. I grew up there, married my beautiful wife, Emily. Townsend, we raised up seven children. 1907, we moved to Corsicana, where I was an elder for the First Presbyterian Church. Remember the church choir? 
and I work for the American Well and Prospecting Company. Now, the American Well and Prospecting Company started in 1890 in Kansas. In 1894, they were contracted by the Carsicana Water Development Company to drill three water wells in the city. In June of 1894, they began to drill the first well on South 12th Street. Probably using a drill bit just similar to this one right here. Well, it wasn't water. <laughs> they struggled and thus started the very first oil field in the state of Texas, right here in Carson County. Now, the American Well Prospect Company continued to drill these wells, but their primary was to repair rigs. But in 1901, they bought the patent rights for the hydraulic rotary bit. And from that time on, they would manufacture oil field equipment. In fact, a rig owned by the Hamill Brothers of Corsicana, manufactured by the American Well Prospecting Company, to drill the first well, the Lucas Well, in Spinnetop in 1901 in New Texas. I'm sure some of you have heard of Spinnetop. Petroleum industry, they ended up 
The highest award that France can award is called the Croix de Guerre. Dr. Dubart Miller was awarded the Croix de Guerre for uh, bravery above and beyond the call of duty during the Battle of St. Etienne in April 1918. They faced a fierce German force. The Germans had the high ground and it was hand-to-hand -hand combat. Later after the battle, they took a lot of German prisoners and the German prisoners told them that they had never encountered such fierce pain from any human beings ever in their lives. He was awarded the Croix de Guerre for bravery above and beyond the call of duty for his actions as a, a field hospital doctor. After the war, he came back to Corsicana. Everybody was there to meet him at the station, including his mother, who had brought a sweet little girl with her that she hoped Dubart would soon make his Amanda Murphy's dreams were soon destroyed when Dubar got off the plane, I mean off the off the train, with another woman. <laughs> and her name was Cora Wills. She was the daughter of another um, prominent doctor here in Corsicana. Cora and Dubar launched into the Roaring Twenties with great ferocity. She was Corsicana's first flapper. And boy, did they have fun. And boy, did they drink. And we now know a lot about PTSD that we didn't know then. And I'm sure uh, Uncle Dubart drank a lot of whiskey and rye, trying to, to force those demons back into the ground. He became a, a dreadful, dreadful and the first meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous in Corsicana, Texas was in Uncle Dubart's living room. And as soon as it was over, he got drunk. <laughs> there was just nothing, nothing that could stop him. And after his father died in 1939, he was considered the head of the family. So no Thanksgiving dinner, no Christmas lunch, nothing happened until Dubart was there. Well, a lot of times, Dubart just never showed up. My mother said she can remember her grandmother, Amanda Murphy Miller, crying on the back porch, just, just sobbing because they didn't know where Dubart was. She was so disappointed that Dubart was going to be in a bad shape when he got there. Now, Dubart would show up, and mother said she didn't really think that his shape looked funny, but he was drunk. He was also known to his contemporaries as a brilliant diagnostician. He was an amazing doctor. Many of his co-workers said that Dubart forgot more medicine than they had ever known. <laughs> he, was, uh, uh, he was given honorary status at the hospital and put on the on-call list as, as a thank you to him for his service in the community. But everybody knew that he didn't want to call Dubart in an emergency. Because you never knew what shape he was going to be in when he got to the hospital. And there was a joke with the nurses that when Dubart delivered a baby, you had to have two nurses, not one, but two. One to catch the baby, and the other one to hold Dubart up and keep him from falling. And there's a funny story about um, about Dubart delivering a baby, and uh, he, he was tired and 
baby's not going to come tonight. You just move over, on over in that bed because I've got to get up here and take a little nap. <laughs> <laughs> and he did. And then he woke up and he delivered the baby. I have fond memories of Duvart. The first stitch I ever had in my life was in a, a wound here I had at three years old when I cut my hand on a cup. And boy, we went off to see Uncle Duvart. He put one stitch in it wrapped it tight and sent me home. He had a giant box of Whitman Sanford chocolates that he kept on his desk. And he had a fabulous dog, and he loved that dog. And nobody got the chocolates but the dog. <laughs> so every time a patient left, he would give the dog a chocolate. And there's a great story that Dugart got caught drinking and driving. And the police called my grandmother to come and pick him up. Well, grandmother was mortified to have to go to the police station in the first place. But in she walked with her head held high, and there sat Dubart on the bunk in the jail cell, and there sat the dog right beside him. <laughs> <laughs> he was a very compassionate doctor. He would treat anybody. It didn't matter if you had any money or not. He'd treat you for a sack of potatoes or a chicken or canned goods. He, his job was to alleviate pain and suffering. And he was a very, very good doctor. I remember when Dubart died, and uh, my grandmother and his housekeeper were taking care of him. And at the funeral, when they folded the flag, he was a They gave the flag to my grandmother, and my grandmother turned and gave it to Johnny, who was his housekeeper and probably 50 years. And um, she felt like that that Johnny deserved that flag, and that Cora had proceeded to remember that. He was a great character. I remember all of my uncles fondly, but none so more than Dubart. He was a great doctor, a very compassionate man, and I think we're all My name is Ms. Lois Wormbeach, and I am a teacher 
and I have a sheet. I'm a teacher at the Adebole School. Now, most of you may realize that there is still an Adebole building housing technology and that's the home to the Grand Lodge that passes, the, the office. But back in the day, in 1887, it opened, and it was a home for widows, orphans, and people that were aged. It opened in season, it was an act of Congress, nearly impossible to keep these boys from overdoing. They never seem to learn from year to year. I'm Dr. Thomas A. Miller, and I was the doctor at the IWF home for 26 years. Now, our clinic saw anything from dysentery to scarlet fever, even tuberculosis. During the warmer seasons of the year, I would take the tuberculosis patients and set them outside. The uh, warm air seemed to help them. Some died, some recovered, but their bodies were so weakened by the conditions that they were susceptible to secondary illness. Now, this is Texas, and we breed mosquitoes inside of cats, and the mosquitoes would breed so bad that malaria became inevitable. New people coming to the IWF home would often bring with them diseases without really knowing it, which would cause epidemics to rise. I instituted a new rule in the 19-teens, somewhere around there, and we decided that we were gonna take newcomers and quarantine them for a period of time and 
fumigate your personal items. Now, if you know medicine in the 1950s and 19-teens, wasn't much better. So we weren't able to cut out all disease, but we did our best. Remember that year that cloakworms got so bad that Texas Cloakworm Commission had to come to the home to check us out? 13 of us ended up having it. So hookworms go into the bottom of your feet, boy. Look down. You ain't wearing no shoes. <laughs> Along with the common illnesses of the time came well, accidents. Uh, there was one kid that fell out of a dormitory window and broke her arm. One got drugged by a runaway team of mules. He was badly hurt, but he recovered. And one even swallowed a spoon. How that happens, I don't know, but it was, it was cool to watch. It became common practice to uh, remove tonsils during that time. In one year, a record 46 tonsillectomies were performed. We were well taken care of at the home and we received top-notch education. Some of us even went on to college. At the onset of World War I, a group of students even got all their Christmas money together and bought like $9.56 in food stamps. They were orphans, they were widows, they were old, and they didn't have 
Except for mine, I'm tired enough as it is. Y'all leave me alone. <laughs> Great war. 
war for our liberties, 61 to 65. Most of us stuck with the Democrats. And then, though, we noticed in the 80s, my good friend and brother-in-law, you may have heard of him, he, he, he's right over yonder, Francis Marion Martin. He became Lieutenant Governor of this state. Now, he also married my younger sister. So he was family, too. And I saw the way that the Democratic Party treated him. I saw how he didn't leave the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party left him, became the party of the monopolists, the bankers, the Wall Street folks. What about gold and gloves to starting out as farmers, ranchers, agriculturists, had the soil underneath our fingernails, worked by the sweat of our brow and the sweat of our hands and our backs, our muscles put into the raising of the food and fiber people like that. I'm some gentleman who's buried over yonder. Mr. Phillips, a supporter of sound money and Wall Street interests and, and established Democrats. You saw him break a sweat. Oh, and we need people like me and my brother-in-law and I and people, the good people of this county. Men and the women of the County worked with the soil and weren't appreciated by the Democrats. In the 90s, we had had enough. We didn't leave the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party knows the Democrats. And we populists campaigned through the 90s on a platform that was going to return democracy to the people. Why, wow, this Democratic Party that we had in the 90s, why it wasn't any more like the Democratic Party than the, than the, the Pope is the head of, of the Muslims. <laughs> <laughs> we strolled platform that was going to be for a, what is it called, free school. And coinage of money, where there's as much money in circulation as $50 for every man, woman, and child in this country. You know, the problem was, right here in America, you might go down to the bank, but they didn't have any money for you. Wasn't enough money in circulation. Where was it all? It was in the pockets of the rich. Up there in the Northeast. It was in the pockets of gold bankers and railroad men and the, the robber barons. It wasn't in the people's pockets. We didn't even have enough money to make our payments on our land to the banks, to buy seed, to have a little bit 
money to buy the wife a dress for Christmas or for a birthday. Wasn't enough in circulation. Between 1792, when we first started coining money in this country in 1875, we had the free coinage of silver on a parity with gold. And then somehow, after our war, during that awful time of reconstruction, they did away with coining silver. And yet out in the West, goodness gracious, we're mining enough silver just like the, the ancient Spaniards did and sending it over in the galleons to, back to Spain. We, we were mining more silver than they did. But we weren't allowed to turn it into coins. Up the money supply. No. We campaigned on that. We campaigned on not having a, a, a regular a, a tariff that was going to raise revenue. No. We don't need protected tariffs. We campaigned on a graduated income place that. We campaigned for direct collection of senators. We campaigned for these rights for women so that they get the vote. The Farmers Alliance was the predecessor, the predecessor of the Populist Party. And we in the Farmers Alliance we had men and women. We knew that the women, they got up at the same time as the men on the farm. And when they went out to milk the cows and to bring in the eggs and then cook the eggs and bake the bread and do those things, they're working just as hard on the family farm as the men were. And so we had lots of women that came to us wanted the right to vote, and so we we supported that as well. You, we wouldn't have the things that came along with the direct election of senators and the graduated income tax and the prohibition and the women's suffrage and all of these things we wouldn't have if it hadn't been for the populace and we worked and you listen to Mr. Mills, and you think he was going to bring us to the bad place. Well, I don't think so. And I have a little bit of pride over what we in the Populist Party did. I was what you call a member of the Fourth Estate. I had a newspaper entitled the truth, because it was the truth. We told the truth, not some sophistry that those who had left the true principles of Jefferson, the true principles of Calhoun, the true principles of every president of the Democratic Party before Grover Cleveland, We advocated what this country had been built upon, rewarding the men and the women that had the soil, the dirt still under their fingernails. 
got a lot more to do than listen to just me. You may even want to go listen to Mr. Mills. citizens. I cannot see you on account of the condition of the eyes. This is the consequence of several years of trouble, which has cost me one eye and has taken from the other most of the sight. But I feel your presence. And since you are here pretending to see me briefly resurrected, I will pretend that I can see you. <laughs> My name is James Garrett, or as I'm known to most people, Captain Garrett. I came to Corsicana in 1871, and along with my late partner, Joseph Huey, established a private bank across the street from the courthouse that in 1886 became the first national bank. The building most associated with me time as bank president still stands at the corner of Beaton and Sixth Street. I am a proud Irishman by birth, by temperament, and by me preference for some fine Irish habits. <laughs> I was commissioned captain on the battlefield during the service in the Army of Northern Virginia in the War of the Rebellion, where I was wounded twice and twice left for dead on the field. On the second occasion, I was nursed to help by two angels, disguised as ladies of devotion and to whom I owe a debt which can never be fully repaid. For what is a man's life worth? For most assuredly, far more than the $2,000 I sent to each of these ladies after the war. After I left the field of valor, I left it with a deep sense of gratitude for all of the misfortune compared to the many that I had been spared. And I left it with a sense that whatever life hereafter would give to me, it must be repaid as debt. People say that I'm a wealthy man, but not as wealthy as many may think. First of all, I do not care for money. It is incidental to doing well the things for which I have a gift and that are besides me pleasure and reward to do. Some say that in charity I have given away four times the amount of me wealth. <laughs> Perhaps this is a calculation based on the funds of a public charity I established in my name in 1916. The interest of a $100,000 endowment devoted to the relief and betterment of any indigent poor within the county without regard to race, 
color, sex, or religious belief. By 1920, I was 78, feeling the mortality, wrestling with the faults, had an unexpected conflict with a city I loved but no longer understood. I found myself in a public and legal quarrel over the tyranny of an unjust and illegal tax to fund the building of a new high school. This seemed to be a very unlikely cause of dispute between myself, Mayor Halbert, the city council, and the school board, given the financial support of our schools over many years. As most legal matters are, the causes were complex, filled with judgment and philosophy, and finally had to be settled at trial. I believe that the case of Garrity et al. versus Halbert et al. now seems to me to be a conflict more between a naive idealist, Superintendent Blair, and himself, a practical man with a hard preference for conservatism. The case of Garrity versus Halbert seems to be the only issue I brought before the courts, even to the Supreme Court of Texas, as in this state case where I was not in the end vindicated. It is all there in the newspapers of 1920, if you're inclined to know the details of old disputes. But had I prevailed, it is likely that some of you would not have graduated from the high school on 18th Street in the building as you knew it. At the time of my death, just a few days short of the 84th birthday, it was said that I was the oldest banker in Texas at active harness. I tried during me times to always be clear-sighted, even in the years of me failing eyes. But any man, if he lives long enough, will find himself out of step with his times, caught between a world he understands and a world that baffles him mightily. Some men die too soon. Others have the good fortune of a well-timed death, satisfied with what they've done with their lives and at peace in the full knowledge of their faults. Such a man was I. Thank you, my fellow citizens, for allowing me this brief reprise of me. Yes, in the parties, yes. Thank 
I went to work in oil fields. I was rough then. It's hard, nasty work and long hours, but it provided us to do a lot of things with our lives. We got involved in one of the most interesting things. It took us from the horse and buggy age to the modern automobile age. It was called the Howdy Neighbor Caravan. It was a big little tour that celebrated the connecting of our city with cities in the other counties all along this brand new Can you imagine these concrete stretch from Canada to the Gulf Coast and came through our town? I was so excited when we did the inaugural and opened up the Barrett County segment. It was so much fun. There was about 200 of us. And we all pulled out on South, South 15th Street onto the highway for the very first time. Just think about it. You know that now I could go shopping in Fairfield even when it rained. <laughs> Can you imagine? You could get out there and stand somewhere on this highway and see eight to ten cars an hour pass by. You know what? I can see that many in parts of town all right. Now I see that, you know, it's <clears throat> 10 or 15 cars a second. The roads are getting wider and they're passing by our community. I taught piano, maybe to some of you, maybe to some of your parents for many years at Preston Town. I accompanied the, the senoritas at the college and played in different studios and oh, probably thousands of events at the Kinslow House. While my Wally husband over here was making a name for himself in the old business. I bought and sleep. Rental racks for the oil company. And I want to tell you one of the stories of there was this man and woman I went out and I talked to him and he was interested in dealing and she turned her nose up at everything. And I got him off to himself and I talked to him and he said, I'm going to sign. But she ain't going to sign anything. So I got them both back together and I was talking to them. And I said, are y'all ready to which y'all will be able to sign. And she says, I ain't signing anything. And if you put my name on that paper, I'm going to law you. <laughs> so I thought, and I went on, and I thought, so I got him part, and I talked to him some more. He was ready to sign. So I thought, so I went to him, and I got them both back together. And I said, sir, I'm going to give you your $20 for signing, and I figured out what we're going to do. We're going to drill a hole out there, and if we hit all, I'm going to pay you for your oil. And we're going to pump her all back down in that hole. And I'll pay her for it. And she looked kind of like, and I said, sir, I'm going to give you your $20 for signing, and I'm going to pick my papers up, and I'm going. And thank y'all folks for dealing with me today. She says, wait just a minute. She says, let me see that piece of paper. She wanted that $20 and that money, too. I would like to thank y'all for visiting the desk.
Then he put his money where his mouth was. Unfortunately, the old man died a couple years before the town was going to drive. Now, prohibition started here in the Barrett County. Guess what became the profession of choice? I'll give you a hint. Bootleg. <laughs> Matter of fact, it's just good money. Good money you made bootleg to help feed your family. As a matter of fact, there was so many bootleggers in the Barrett County at the time, they had to wear badges to keep selling each other. Get <laughs> badges to sell <laughs> well, just a lot of things went on. There was even friends. You had friends on the police force. And it wasn't uncommon for you to be sitting at home with the phone ring if you had one. Phone ring, they'd say, man, you better get your stuff and get out of there. They're coming to get your stuff. Get it out of there. It was a raid. And on occasion, they would bust somebody in a raid just to keep the, keep the local people happy, you know. They even had, I think at the time, they, they had gambling. Gambling in Corsica County. <laughs> there was a guy who had a racket that used the Corsica County baby's son's headline for his racket, believe it or not. Now, this was unbeknownst to the Corsica County baby's son. This guy would sell you a ticket, and on this ticket was a letter. And you would win by the next day's headlines, first letter and the last letter. Corsica County Davis Sun headline. So, for instance, you take the O and an N and say the next day's headline read officers of the 36th Division to move out to muster out soon. You want a piece of the pie. O officers in soon. Times have changed. <laughs> now you can just walk past your local convenience store, buy your beer, and get your love. Now, just because in 1933 Prohibition ended, being bootlegged in, my own daddy bootlegged up in 1971. He'd do something similar to this. On Sundays, he'd sack his bags up in little ports and little pines, nice neat little roads, and on Sunday morning, <coughs> people would start coming by and buying some booze off of it because they had what they call blue laws. You couldn't buy a liquor out on Sunday. I think again now, after one o'clock, the church left out, left out, of course. Back then, you couldn't buy. There were some prominent people who would come by and buy their booze on Sunday morning. Now, one of our local heroes in this town, I like to say, he was a sheriff. I'm not going to mention his name, but he's still alive. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, before he became sheriff, he was working over here at the cotton mill block, cleaning out these old shotgun houses. And he had all that old paper. Y'all remember that old paper they put on the walls, they put it on the kitchen, on the ceiling, on the cabinets, they put it on everything. Well, they was over tearing out one day, and as they pulled it off, there was a big old closet there. He called his helper over there, and he jiggled up, had a little lock on it, and he jiggled the lock, opened it up, and there was a stack from floor to ceiling with 100 bottles of muscatel wine. And I know that that had to be in a bootlegger's bounty that he had hid somewhere. Well, this guy who became a local sheriff said they sold most of it, drank some of it, and to this day, the smell of muscatel wine makes him nauseous. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, Thank you.
Germany to accomplish this. We will hear a little about her life and those she loved. Agnes
after the close of Hannah, and my funeral was held on Sunday, July the 4th. My spirit is Neither Mama nor my sisters heard from Herman, so they didn't even know if he was alive. So finally, in 1917, Mama put the Arcadia up for sale, and she filed for guardianship of my children. And then 